0: The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries.
1: Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Tanko concludes The Big Brother and the Bent One today here on the program. If you've been listening to this message and you would like to hear the first portion once again, you can go to reachingyourheart.com. You'll find it under the broadcast schedule there on the main page. The Big Brother and the Bent One. I'll be back at the close of our message today with some weather information I'd like to pass along to you. The phone number here is 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. You can always call that number if you have questions as well. Let's get underway with the conclusion to The Big Brother and the Bent One. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko.
0: So who is this prince that is the big brother? Look at Daniel 1013. We have it defined here the bible says but the prince of the king of persia now gabriel speaking contextually but the prince of the king of persia was withstanding me for 21 days then behold michael what does it call him next one of the chief princes came to help me for i've been left there with the king of persia now it can be translated michael number one of the chief princes came to help me that's just as good a translation Now, in the chiastic poetic formula, that's where both sides match in chiastic parallelism. It starts in Daniel 10.2 it ends in Daniel 10.21. There's a poetic formula here with an exact chiastic poetic center. Michael stands in the poetic center of the structure as the most important truth of that chiastic poetic structure. He's not a prince, friend. He is the prince who can defeat the evil angel that is too strong for Gabriel. Gabriel told Zechariah that he stands in the presence of God. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. But there is a prince who is greater than Gabriel. Michael is the one who is more powerful than Gabriel. Why? Because Michael is God. In Daniel 10.21, Gabriel speaks again in the context of Michael's supreme role. It says, but I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these forces except Michael, your prince. There is none who contends by my side against these forces except Michael, your prince. Now, these forces are evil angels. No angel can oppose evil angels like Michael, the prince, your prince. Here, clearly defined. The most powerful being in the universe to defeat evil forces, according to Gabriel, is Michael, your prince. Would you like to have evil forces defeated in your life? Wouldn't you like to have them just kind of banished and pushed out? Michael has authority over demons. Now, in the New Testament, who has authority over demons? Jesus had authority over demons, didn't he? He gave that authority to his followers. And he is very clear that Michael is Daniel's prince in times of trouble. I thought Jesus was his prince. Well, Michael is his prince. The first of all the princes is Daniel's prince. is the prince for Israel. At the very end of time, evil will look to win in the world. It will look like no one is powerful enough to save God's people from it. And when evil looks like it's going to win, when the evil angels move throughout the world to gather them together for the great battle of Armageddon, Michael shows up, Daniel 12, 1, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time your people will be delivered, everyone who shall be found written in the book. When it comes time to save at the second coming, when it comes time to save at the end of all things, Michael stands up and Michael saves. Gabriel calls Michael the great prince, not a great prince, the great prince. And the great prince is the prince that comes from God at the end of time to save Daniel and his people from the wrath of Satan. So who is this prince that can save at the end? Who is this prince that can save with resurrection power in Daniel 12, verse 2 is Michael. In Isaiah fourteen, fourteen, the bent one, Satan, Lucifer, the devil, the dragon. Whatever you want to call him, said, I will make myself like the Most High. Friend, there is only one name in the universe that stood between Satan and that false claim, and that name is Michael. Michael in Hebrew is a question, and it means who is like God. So imagine here's Satan saying, I will be like the Most High. And here is Michael, the prince of Israel. His name means who is like God. One is humble, one is arrogant. The one prince who was more than a prince was named with a question instead of an answer. Michael is his name, and it means who is like God? Friend, when Jesus created the world, the universe knew at that point in time that He was the power of God was in him. John says he created the world, but that did not answer the greater question, who is like God? To have the power of God does not answer the question, what is God like? Lucifer wanted God's power, but not God's character. And so the question And the name of the mighty and great prince became the answer in the manger of Bethlehem. The mighty prince who stands as the guardian protector of God's people, Michael, his name means a question, who is like God? In the New Testament, we find the answer not in the face of a mighty angel, but in a little baby that cries in Bethlehem's manger. The angel said to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He is the guardian protector of your people. He's the prince of your people, Daniel. Joseph, he's your prince too. Who is like God? Michael is the name in the Old Testament that stands between Satan and his claim. Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God is with us, is the name in the New Testament that answers the question of the old. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent the Son of the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The war that began in heaven in Revelation 12 was a war that started between two brothers. One was Michael, the prince of princes, the commander of the heavenly host, the never-created creator who took the form of an angel, who was more than an angel in the assembly of the brethren, but looked just like them. He was God in angel form. He was the prince of princes. A never-created creator being was he. And beside him was Lucifer. In fact, in the ancient Hebrew of Ezekiel 28, he's called the Messiah cherub, Jesus was. and Beside him was Lucifer, the light-bearer. Michael was the bright and morning star that preceded the dawn of time and eternity. He was never created. He was ever new. As new as the light is new, he was ever new, but never old. He was timeless. He was who he is. And Lucifer was the light bearer who was the son of the morning. As the first child of God to be created, he was created by Michael. Christ created all things, the Bible says. And so he created Lucifer to be his brother. And one day Lucifer coveted the place of God on his throne. And to get at God, he had to go through his brother the one who is just like God because he is God, who is more than the light bearer, Lucifer, who is more than the son of the morning. He is the morning star, the bright and morning star that precedes the dawn. To be like the Most High, he had to take Michael out to be like God. And so Michael and the dragon were locked in mortal combat in heaven, and only one being between the two could win the war and rule the universe. It could not be Michael and Lucifer, Michael or Lucifer. Revelation 12. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they were defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. In the New Testament, Jesus enters into mortal conflict with the devil. It is not the first time he fought him. He had fought him in heaven. He had thrown him out of heaven. Now he's on earth and the theater changes. But in the beginning, he had the form of Michael. He didn't have the present form of weakness as a human being. Now you can't tell me That Jesus is less today than what he was back then. Did he lose his role that he had before he became a human being or was it incorporated into his human nature? The text says Michael and his angels fought. Michael rules the angels that are loyal to God just as the dragon rules the angels that are disloyal to God. There are two players in the cosmic field of conflict, Michael and Satan in the Old Testament, Jesus and Satan in the New Testament. And Jesus is not less than Michael because Jesus is Michael. Who is like God? Emmanuel, God with us. Friend, Jesus is the answer to the question, what is God like? Philip, just before Jesus died, asked the question, show us the Father, and it will be good enough for us. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been with you so long and you don't know me? The one who has seen me has seen the Father, who is like God. Jesus is just like God because he is God. And when you look into the face of Jesus, you see the face of God. That's what he was saying. There are two players in the cosmic field of conflict, Michael and Satan in the Old Testament, Jesus and Satan in the New Testament. And Jesus is not less than Michael because he is Jesus. Christ is the answer to the question, who is like God? And Jesus defeats the devil on our ground, not his. In Relation twelve seven, Michael defeats 7. Look at verse 9. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Now what does that mean? That means he's here. That means the devil's really around here. The mess we see in the world is not like accidental stuff. The humanist would like you to believe that you can just educate people out of evil. But that isn't so. I mean, evil is here as a spiritual force, an unseen wind that blows upon culture to create an effect. No more hanging out in heavenly assembly of the brethren. No, he's here because he's been thrown down. How did do he get thrown down? Look at John twelve thirty one. Now is the judgment of this world. Jesus is speaking just before the cross. Now shall the ruler of this world be cast out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. The word "man" is obviously not in the Greek. The cross is the place where Jesus was lifted up. It's also the place where Michael defeats the bent one for good and for God. It is the place where the question, who is like God, becomes an answer written in blood. Michael means who is like God in the face of Lucifer's challenge to be like the Most High. Michael is the angel face to the question, who is like God? And on the cross of Calvary, Michael has another name and another face, a human face, God's face. Jesus is the other name. And Jesus' tears and bleeding brow reveals the face, the loving face, the forgiving face that is the answer to the question, Who is like God? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's what God is like. Jesus is the answer in the great war. God fought evil hard enough to give us God to die in our place. That's what God is like. When the heavenly universe saw Jesus dying on the cross, they saw their older brother, the prince of princes, dying as a man on the cross of Calvary, their commander. They saw the eternal Son of God offering himself willingly for the sins of the world. And the assembly of the brethren gathered around the cross that day on dark Friday, not a good Friday, dark Friday. And as they huddled together waiting for the command to save their commander with lightning and fire and storm, the command was never given. As they looked to heaven for the word to annihilate humanity, it was never given. They heard their commander cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The command was never given. It was never given. They had to obey God, but they wanted to disobey God to save their commander, but they obeyed. Friend, Jesus was given to this world because God did not give that command on that dark Friday. He gave us Jesus, who is the light of the world, who shows us what God is like. The commander of the host of heaven couldn't be delivered to deliver you and me that day. The angels weren't that concerned about us that day, believe it or not. We weren't the center of their universe. They wanted to save Michael from the dragon. When Michael died on the cross. The angels had a whole day to think about the horror of a bad Friday. And then they took a vote with the rest of the universe. They chose to say something. The polling started. There was no cheating up there. They know how they vote. They can tell. The brethren that is up there, the heavenly assembly, made a decision that will never change down here forever. They made a statement because of what Michael did in Jesus for us. Revelation 12.10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ or Messiah has come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He accuses them day and night before our God. Michael was the big brother, and he became our brother in Jesus. The never created creator, son of God, who took the form of the mighty angel of the Lord, became our brother in Jesus. He became weak that he might show us the strength of God. He became human that he might lead humans to God. And when Jesus died for you and me, they huddled close to the cross that day, the angels did. And they discovered that every child of Adam that Jesus prayed for on that cross, as he bore the sins of every single human being from Adam to the ant, is by faith their brother too. Revelation 12.10 says, A loud voice was heard in heaven saying, saying very clearly, the accuser of our brethren his brand thrown down. Heaven took a vote and it was unanimous. No more devil up here anymore. We don't want him. We don't want any more Job 1 scenes going on. Jesus is God's Messiah. He takes the place of Adam. He is Christ. Jesus is the one who is like God, not Lucifer. Michael has defeated the dragon for good at the cross of Christ. And then they went a step further. They said, the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. Anyone who belongs to Jesus is part of our family. They said it that day. We're not ashamed of them anymore. Adam may have some kinks in his family line. There may be some pretty awful children. But if Christ loves them, we love them too. They're part of our family. When Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary, they drew near. And they found the tenderness to love us too a little more than they had ever done before and to put the past behind them. The big brother is our brother and theirs too. And through his death, heaven and earth is a family again. Friend, the bent one has a little time left on earth and he cannot burrow his way back to God again, but he'd like to burrow his way into your life. He's down here until the day he'll be destroyed, down here for good. The Bible's clear. Now, how do we overcome the bent one in the meantime? That's the real question we need to ask. How do we deal with him? Because he's here. Revelation twelve eleven, And they have conquered him, the devil, the bent one, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Maybe in your life you're saying, Pastor Mike, I feel weak as a Christian. I don't know how to overcome. I mean, these forces against me are big and they're strong. I mean, when I fail and fall, I feel like God doesn't accept me. What do I do? Friend, you overcome the bent one in your life when you seize the cross of Christ as your cross. When you come to that cross... And you do what the angels did that day. You recognize your brother there dying for your sins. There is power in the cross to lift you up. There is power to banish the devils of hell. There is power to give you a future. And when you accept His blood as the atonement for your sins, when you step off, you're a high and mighty horse that says, I don't need a Savior. And you say, I do need a Savior when you cling to Jesus as your Savior, as the only basis for your acceptance before God, there is a power of God in that faith action that is the power of God to save you and to lift you up. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also the Greek. And you may be at the bottom of the ladder of what matters in this world, but friend, if you believe in Jesus, there is power of God to change you, to hold you, to declare you righteous because of the blood of the big brother. Every drop of the big brother's blood matters to the brethren at the foot of the cross. And number two, you overcome by the word, which means you overcome because of the word of your testimony. His word becomes your word as you give testimony to what Jesus has done for you. What Jesus did for you matters in a world that needs the big brother's love. I mean, when you meet people in the workplace, are you silent about Jesus? Or do you say, you know what, I'm not a great person, but Jesus is. And I have found that my Savior saves Or do you say, well, I don't want to talk about Jesus. Let's talk about God in an ethereal kind of general way. You know, philosophy is an easy way to avoid the spiritual reality of testifying that you love Jesus personally. You can always talk about an idea, but an idea didn't save you at the cross. A human heart, an angel's heart, and the heart of God in Christ saved you at the cross. Isn't it worth bearing witness to, friends? For God so loved the world that he gave the big brother to defeat the bent one, so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you want to keep the cross alive in your life, you must share the cross of Christ in your life. You must carry that cross and share it through the word of your testimony. When Jesus died on the cross, he defeated the bent one for good and heaven rejected the bent one and their presence for good. Satan can never burrow his way back to harass heaven again. Christ is the new representative of our earth. Now think about this. For over 4,000 years of human history, who was accusing us day and night before God's throne? What does it say in the Bible? Satan was, right? The devil. Imagine bowing down and praying a prayer with your little one in those awful years of history. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. And you do the prayer routine, right? And the devil is up there laughing at the prayer in the presence of angels, interpreting it, saying, What an awful prayer that child is praying. That's a demon child down there. And the angels had to listen to it for century after century because he was doing it all the time based on Revelation 12. He was the high priest of the human race, so to speak. But friend, when Christ rose from the dead on resurrection morning, with the power of an indestructible life based on Hebrews 7, he became a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He can never cease being what he is, our great high priest. And The Bible says in verse 25, He ever lives to make intercession for us. Christ became the new representative, the prayer representative of the human race. And when you pray a prayer in humility, asking God to save you, when you pray for God to come into your ignorance and give you enlightenment, when you pray for God to give you strength in place of your weakness, when you pray for purity instead of defilement, Christ in the heavenly sanctuary says, Father, that prayer is sincere. My blood, my blood, my blood. I gave it for that person. And God the Father, with all the love he has for Jesus, pours that love through Jesus to you because we have a high priest. Friend, Jesus is more than just a man. He is the answer for every human being, man or woman. If you want to keep the cross alive in your life, bear witness to him. Jesus is the new representative in your life, Hebrews 2.11. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have all one origin. That is why he, meaning Jesus, is not ashamed to call them brethren saying, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children God has given me. The final issues of the end in Revelation 12 and 13 are wrapped around the fact that the bent one is angry with you because he has lost the war to overcome the one who is really like God. He's angry. Revelation 12, 12, rejoice then, O heaven, And you that dwell therein, but woe to you, O earth and sea. For the devil, the bent one, has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. In the final war, in the mark of the beast, every human being will have to make a choice between the big brother and the bent one. Those who worship the bent one will bow down to the world and they will receive the mark of the beast. It's that simple, that direct those who worship God who really do love Jesus will follow the lamb who is their big brother they will follow him all the way up Mount Zion into the presence of God I ask this question who will you choose as your leader every day we make that choice we start our day who we surrender to in the day is the leader for the moment Choose your leader well and live forever. Amen. Father, thank you that the person who has Jesus with an undivided heart of self-surrender by faith, be they weak or not, that person is justified and accepted as a member of the family, part of the brethren. We would glory in that. But Father, we also know we grow. And there are times we have to face ourselves and grow out of sinfulness within. And Lord, we know that's part of the journey. So we're grateful to renew our lives with you. Father, it could be that someone here today who has never been baptized into Jesus Christ needs to be baptized into Jesus Christ to start over with him. Father, you know who they are. If you're that person, raise your hand to heaven right now and say, I need to be baptized. I know it. Father, you see the hands out there. I pray that you will take that person that they can seek to be baptized. Father, I'm grateful that in Jesus we have our acceptance, clean and pure, that we can move through time, we can move into the future without fear. May your people here know that when they gather on Sabbath, when they get into the Word of God, they live for others, not themselves, that they can grow and grow up in God and there's safety in the family of God. Prevent the evil one from creating a bent one here. May there be no bent ones here. And give us the life to live a straight and upright life for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Well, that will conclude The Big Brother and The Bent One. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Tanko. You can find it again to listen to online at reachingyourheart.com under the broadcast schedule on the main page or download a copy to your personal library in MP3 format. That's reachingyourheart.com. Just look for the broadcast schedule. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. Please consider us when you're thinking of your contributions. The address here is Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. That's Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. And if you're in the Washington, D.C. area or passing through, we'd love for you to stop by the worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. And to find out details on that worship service, stop by the website reachingyourheart.com or just give us a call, 877-788-5371. 877-788-5371. Thanks for listening today, and as always, we want you to know that we pray that God is reaching your heart.